Our gospel reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke, the sixth chapter, verses 17 through 26. As Jesus came down from the mountain with them and stood on a large area of low ground, a great company of his disciples and a huge crowd from people and a huge crowd of people from all around Judea and Jerusalem and the area around Tyre and Sidon joined him there. They came to hear him and to be healed from their diseases. And those bothered by unclean spirits were healed. The whole crowd wanted to touch him because power was going out from him and he was healing everyone. Jesus raised his eyes to the disciples, to his disciples and said, Happy are you who are poor, because God's kingdom is yours. Happy are you who hunger now, because you will be satisfied. Happy are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Happy are you when people hate you, reject you, insult you, and condemn your name as evil because of the human one. Rejoice when that happens. Leap for joy because you have a great reward in heaven. Their ancestors did the same things to the prophets. But how terrible for you who are rich, because you have already received your comfort. How terrible for you who have plenty now, because you will be hungry. How terrible for you who laugh now, because you will mourn and weep. How terrible for you when all speak well of you. Their ancestors did the same things to the false prophets. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. The story is told of Frederick William IV of Prussia, who once visited a school and quizzed the students. He held up a stone and asked the children, to what kingdom does this belong? They responded, mineral. He then pointed to a flower and asked, to what kingdom does this belong? They answered, plant. He then pointed to a bird flying by outside the window and asked, to what kingdom does that belong? They replied, animal. Then he asked, now to what kingdom do I belong? He may not have meant to, but he raised a profound theological question. To what kingdom do we belong? On a literal sense, of course, we are part and parcel of the animal kingdom. I belong to the same kingdom as my dear dog, Bella. However, <laughs> she has many human traits. She can pout. She can get excited. She has a temper which you will find out if you ever come by Parsonage. However, Bella doesn't understand time much. Feeding time, yes, but does she know that it is 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Of course not. Only humans can grasp time. She doesn't understand that there's a point beyond which she will not live. Bella can't fully understand right from wrong. It's not within her to share at all. Her limited mind cannot set goals. All of those things are human traits. 
The magnificent thing for us as humans is that it is within us to be able to rise purely above the purely animal desires and to become part of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus was describing for the people that day. If these words sound sort of familiar to you, but they don't quite sound like what you remember, you may be thinking of a very similar passage in the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes to a high place and preaches to his people. In Luke, it takes place on a plain, on level ground. And Luke's blessings have another side to them that Matthew doesn't have. Jesus not only talks about what makes us blessed, but he talks about the woes. For those who search for meaning and search for importance outside of the kingdom of God. Luke's Beatitudes, his blessings, are very concrete. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who are poor. Not poor in spirit, but poor. Blessed are you who weep. Now, I, I take some issue. I, I like this translation. We use this translation because overall I think it's a good translation. But I don't like the fact that it translates it happy because that's not... Happy in the modern sense is not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about the fact that people who are weeping or poor or hungry are actually just happy as a lark. He's talking about the fact that they're blessed by God, that God has a special place in his heart for those who are poor and hungry and weeping. He's saying God cares about those people. And that we need to care about those people. Because sometimes we are those people. And when Jesus talks about the woes, how terrible it is for people when they're flattered, when they're rich, when they're finding happiness in, in, in the things of this world. Those things are terrible things. Because they're terrible things if we find our meaning in them. If we look to those things instead of looking to God, well, y'all, that's all the reward you're going to get. Jesus in Matthew talks about the fact that there were those, particularly the Pharisees, who would go around in public uttering long prayers and making big shows of their piety. And Jesus said, you know, that's all well and fine and good, but they've got their reward. Their reward is people looking at them and saying, oh, wow, isn't that person holy? There's no reward in heaven for that. You got your reward. You got your reward when you got the attention you wanted. We need to look to God for our affirmation. We need to look to God to be blessed. We need to find our identity in him. And when we find our identity in him, we find that we can be happy. That we can find joy in even difficult circumstances. Even when we weep. Even when maybe we are having financial difficulties. Even when we're struggling and not sure exactly where our next meal is coming from. 
I spent a, a summer working for the Appalachian Service Project when I was in college. This was the job I had right before I went to work for St. James. And what Appalachian Service Project does is they invite, they, they have summer centers. There's a couple of permanent centers, but they have summer centers. And work teams come up from all over the country. And they do basic home repair. Um, if they're lucky enough to get a crew that knows what they're doing, they may rewire a room. We had a crew at my center from, the, uh, from a, a Princeton private school, a private school in Princeton, New Jersey. Group of girls. They had no idea how to do anything. But you know what? We needed a ditch dug that week. And you don't need to know what you're doing to be able to handle a shovel. So we set those girls, those girls went to work digging a ditch. And it was so neat to see them because, man, they, they started off the beginning of the week. They were grumbling. They were not happy with us. They didn't like the fact that part of being at ASP means that you have to help keep the center clean. Every team has a list of chores. And every team is responsible for some aspect of the center one night each week. They didn't like that. They were out there with their garbage bags, and y'all, they were a bunch of teenagers, and I swear every one of them had a cigarette in their hand. And we're watching all of this going, oh, it's going to be a long week. About halfway through the week, the grumbling stopped. And they came back to the center one night toward the end of the week and started showing us their hands. They had blisters and calluses, y'all. They had never had blisters and calluses before. They had never had to work that hard to know what that was like. And they were so proud of themselves, and we were so proud for them, because they were beginning to understand that there was more to life than clothes and money and prestige. And that you could actually have a really good time without any of that stuff. The summer before, I had gone up as part of a work team with, the, with Auburn United Methodist. Um, I was, because I was in college, I was an assistant team leader. I, I had an actual legitimate grown-up who knew what he was doing, who was our team leader. We worked on Robbie's house. Robbie was probably six, seven years old. Blonde, curly hair, green eyes, cute little boy. Robbie was the man of the house. Robbie's dad was who knows where. So Robbie was the man of the house. Every morning we'd pull up in the church van, Robbie came out to meet us. All day while we worked, Robbie was our, we, we joked about him being our supervisor. He was really the resident gopher. Robbie, go get this. Robbie, can you go get me that? Robbie, can you go over here? But he loved it. That's what he wanted to be. He wanted to help. And being six or seven, about the best job we could give him was gopher. Happiest little kid I've ever seen lived in a blasted shack, y'all. His house was nothing to look at. We were putting a porch on the front of it, trying to give them a little bit of a safe place to play and trying to repair the steps that were there that were falling down that weren't safe for Robbie and his family. And that was the beginning of my understanding that happiness and joy are not necessarily tied to the things of this world. The lasting joy is not tied to the things of this world. You can have everything and be miserable. You can have nothing and be laughing and running and playing and filled with joy.
it matters where it's coming from. Are you seeking your security in the things of this world or in the things of God? What kingdom do you belong to? There was um, a story that I read about a hospital social worker who was compassionate, warm, down-to-earth, and a dynamic advocate for her clients. One day she was telling a pastor that she knew about the fact that her college-aged daughter had recently decided to switch her major to social work. And the daughter told her mom, you know, because of what you and dad have taught me, I am never going to be rich. But that's okay, for there are better ways of being rich than having a lot of money. The young woman understood correctly that you can be wealthy without being rich, you can be satisfied without being full, you can be honorable without being honored, and you can rejoice without being self-absorbed. More importantly, she understood that our lives are intricately interwoven, and there can be no real peace, no real sense of well-being until there is peace and well-being for all of us. We need each other. We need to treat each other and to see one another with the eyes of God. Every person, I, I've seen this up on Facebook as a meme, but it's true. You're not going to run into one person today who was not created in the image of God. That person may not act like they were created in the image of God. They may not treat you like you are a fellow human being who was created in the image of God, but that person was created in the image of God and God loves them. And y'all know what that means. We gotta love them too. We are called to love. We are called to love those in really concrete terms who may be different from us, those who don't have enough, those who, who are hurting deep in their hearts. We're called to show love, God's love to those folks. And sometimes they make it easy and sometimes they don't. But it doesn't matter. Our call is to be in that crew that love and take care. If we, if we have what we need, then we need to take care of those who don't. Because sooner or later, oftentimes, circumstances change. We think we got it all together and we find out we don't. I was cruising through college. Getting ready, starting to look at seminaries. And was having a, a fine time enjoying life. And my life took a left turn unexpectedly. And I was devastated. Anne was the person who was there to pick me up. Anne looked at me. And I, 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 I think I was probably crying in the pew. I, it, it was Sunday morning right after the service. I think I had been boohooing a little bit in the, in the pew about what was going on. Anne looked me in the eye. She said, Lisa, is God still in control? And I had to think about it for a minute because, y'all, I, I was on, yes was not going to come easily. But I thought about it for a minute. I looked her back in the eye. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, he, he's still in control. I said, I don't understand, but I trust God. And God is still God. And Anne said to me, then it's going to be okay eventually. As long as God is still God, it's going to be okay. 
Y'all, God is still God. Even when we're poor, even when we're hungry, even when we're weeping, even when we are despised by our neighbors, or worse yet, by our families, God is still God. And we can draw strength from that. Now, does God control everything like, you know, God, God controlled whether or not you had breakfast this morning? No. But God is still God. God is still powerful. God still loves. God's son still died on the cross so that we can have life. And we can be, we are the richest people on the face of this earth if we understand that, number one, for ourselves, and if we live it out and share it with others. And y'all, I know I am preaching to the choir a little bit here this morning because y'all are involved with your food pantry. Y'all are involved with the smile train. Y'all do missions. You're not the biggest church in the district. Not the biggest church that I serve. But you are a powerful church because you do what God called you to do. You tend to the hungry. You tend to the poor. You weep with those who weep and offer them hope. I am a huge fan of the comic strip Peanuts. Have been all my life. And I remember one where Snoopy is sitting outside and it is pouring down rain and he looks miserable. I don't know how you draw a dog that looks miserable, but, but Charles Schultz did it because Snoopy just is oozing grief and discomfort sitting there in the rain by himself. And Lucy comes by, pats him on the head and says, it's going to be okay, Snoopy, and walks away. And Snoopy says, I wish she had said something. I wish she had done something for me. I wish she had let me in. We need to do more than just pat somebody on the head that's hurting and say, it's going to be okay, and then move on. We need to come alongside people. We need to love them with God's love. We need to be with those who are hurting. Because sometimes it's our turn to hurt. And we know we're going to want those folks for us when it's our turn, turn to be in pain. May we have the courage to live for God. May we have the courage to stay away from the woes that Jesus said of being well-liked and well-thought of and, and, and politically... Um, being, being people who are thought of as being politically influential and, and, and not real people. Who trust in the things of this world. May we be people of God. We are members of the kingdom of God. May we have the courage to live that out. Amen.